Hey, what's up? Welcome to Shane's Life is a Fantasy Draft. Today, we don't know what we're going to talk about, but it's sure going to be great right after the music. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, John, hanging out here. Shane's Life is a Fantasy Draft, episode 31. I know. Um, Just out here, you know, in Austin. I bet you didn't know I lived there. With me, as always, are my two brothers from another motherland, Greg Dennis and Daniel Gewurz. Fellas, how's it going today? Hello. What's up? I'm making so, my triumphant return. After yeah! yeah! Wow, that was that was a lot of excitement there, John. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> like, listen, I had to because, like, uh, uh, without Greg, it just doesn't feel right. No, the tripod falls over. Yeah, it's like have you you've ever ridden a tricycle, but there's only the back two wheels. It doesn't work. It's hard. Yeah, you're not you going on, anywhere. You fall on your face. I missed I missed the show for a good reason last week. I must say I went and saw my friends uh, are in the New York City Music Festival. And there's a musical that my friend Jeff did the choreography for. And my friend Emily is, is uh, I, I dare I say, starring in. Uh, she doesn't have a starring role, but she has a wonderful role in it. And so I went to go support them last week. That's why I couldn't record. That's good. Oh, you, had to, you had to spend time with your actual friends. Yes, with my real-life friends who live in the city that I live in. See how it is. And it was the, – the musical is called The Gunfighter Meets His Match. It is incredible. Abby Payne, her name is Abby Payne. She wrote the music. It is – uh, it's like lyrically is is absolute masterpiece. Can you still vote for it? I think voting closed, but uh, I highly recommend just check. I mean, check out just you know, Google Abby Payne, P A Y N E, I believe it is, and uh, see her stuff. She's she's a musician too, outside of the musical realm. Uh, she has her own songs and music videos, but check her out. I'm giving her props. I don't even really know her, but uh, I was really impressed with the show. We can tag as her. you would have been too if you would have been there. I mean, I couldn't go. I was not many busy. people could. Yeah, uh, sold we'll, out we'll, every night. We'll be sure to tag her. Well, then a lot. Then I feel like a lot of people. A uh, small house. Ah, uh, we'll tag her in the Instagram. Do it. Yeah. Gunfighter meets his match, too. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right. Speaking of meeting their match, um, Urban Meyer. No. He's uh, maybe not meeting his match, meeting his fate. Right, yes, yes, his fate. So, I mean, not to, not to glaze over or not to uh, recap last week's news, but Urban Meyer – Essentially knew about some things, some domestic violence issues. Uh, from an assistant coach. <laughs> Aaron Hernandez possibly killing a guy. 
um, and decided, eh, you know what? I'd rather win some football games. I don't think I, I don't think this needs to be said, but it probably should be. That's pretty despicable behavior and a poor sense of priority on the part of the head football coach. I don't know what kind of new ground the three of us can really cover on this. Well, let me let me let me try because you're you're absolutely right, right? We can't take the 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 side of hey, you know, domestic violence is bad. That's not really a thing that we need to rehash. The, go- the ghost pepper take. But how much do we want and this could apply across sports. How much do we want the role of meeting out of justice to rest with the head football coach? So, yeah, he's aware of domestic violence. And, you know, maybe he should have called the police and he didn't do that. Or, you know, who knows? Maybe he did and he's just not saying so. I don't know. But do d- d- do we need, you know, uh, Ohio State University head football coach to fire assistant coaches because he knows about the guy's personal life? Like, is that is that where we need to be? Do we need the administration of the Ohio State University football team to do more than the law is doing? Well, so it, it kind of depends, right, I, I, I guess on the... I say this all the time, like, like, shocker. I once got arrested for DWI. I think a you lot. You do of say people. that. You do say that all the time. Right, right. I, that did happen. Um, I did not get fired for it. Now, I'm not saying that domestic violence and DWI are on the same plane. But, like, what what is the threshold for a fireable offense? I think there's a lot that goes into this question, right? I work in a field where if somebody is arrested, I automatically am notified that that person was arrested. And it will tell me what the person was arrested for, and it will tell me that I have to suspend them until further notice. Arrested for anything? Anything. Anytime you're arrested, you get flagged. Because when you get fingerprinted, your fingerprints wind up in this system that I have already fingerprinted you for. So as soon as those, your fingerprints pop up as a match, you get flagged. I wind up having to now do a compliance. Uh, do uh, have you, you essentially how uh, how egregious was your crime? Was it involving children? Was it involving people in a caretaking situation? Most people return to work eventually. Some people don't because maybe it's a domestic violence issue, in which case you would not return to my job. Because um, we can't have people like that working with kids, right? Sure. And and I was I was about to say uh, this assistant coach isn't working with kids, but he kind of is. He's working with college-aged kids. Right. He's working with young adults. Um, sure. However, and, and so, okay, so I, I understand that from my job's perspective and my job's uh, right. lens to the world. That's if you're arrested while you're working for me. Okay. Now, chances are, if if you've already been if you've already been arrested before, I'm you're gonna get flagged before you get uh, before you start working for me. 
So you go, you get fingerprinted, you get flagged. I find out that you were flagged. I find out you did something against children. I can't hire you. I can't take that chance again, right? Right. Because you have direct contact with kids every day. You could absolutely, the possibility is there. You've already done it once before, right? So the domestic violence thing, which keeps coming up, and this guy, Zach Smith, I believe his name is, kind of a scumbag, right? First told everybody that he was doing it in self-defense. Then the text messages pop up where he sends his uh, now ex-wife a text message that says, I'm sorry I strangled you last night, um, which, okay, like clearly then you weren't doing it in self No one strangles in self-defense. <laughs> um, most people put their hands up in self-defense, and they wind up with something called defense wounds. Defense wounds are generally not fingerprints on someone else's neck. Um, anyway, he gets arrested, right? Ohio State finds out. He should have been fired. I, I do in, believe he should have been fired in that moment. As, in, two, in 2009, in when two, he was arrested. Yes, in 2009, he should have been arrested. I agree with that. However, when, you know, the justice system is to serve justice and it is to rehabilitate people. I'm a firm believer that the justice system should rehabilitate so if we're not going to say that the justice system is doing a good job rehabilitating people, then that means if you're a, if you are convicted of domestic violence, you should serve a life sentence in prison. If you can never get a job again, you should have to then go to prison for the rest of your life. What is the use of being free if you're never free? That's a question for you guys. I mean, he can, there's no there's no limit on his ability to get another job not every i mean not every job first of all does a background check and not every job cares that you've been arrested you don't have to report that you've been arrested you know like on a on a job application or whatever you if or at a job interview if someone asks you if you've ever been arrested you don't have to answer that question truthfully you would have right. to answer truthfully have you been convicted but correct so i you know I don't I But but what I'm saying is like I'm trying to like juxtapose like in my field I'm working with children every day. If you have a crime against children Sure. But that's I that's, don't know if you working with children is a good idea. Right, but that's a Whereas, specialized field, right? Not exactly. everyone works with children. Right. And that's why I'm saying like I think can that person go and then get a job at another at a company that sells computers? Like, yeah, absolutely. He should have or she should have a second chance at a life. I, and I don't think you should cap how much money they can make because they made a mistake. If the prison, if the prison, if the justice system did its job and rehabilitated people, then we should have confidence in sending people back into the world at some point. The weird thing with this story is that somebody knew and didn't make other people aware of what was going on. Right. Should he yeah, have that's... lost his job for what he did? I don't know. I can't really genuinely make that call. I mean, I, yeah, so, so the question comes back to Urban Meyer and, and, and what, what the head football coach at Ohio State should have done. And should he proactively give information when he knows about domestic violence incidents? Yeah, of course. But it's not like, it's not like the justice system wasn't doing what it was supposed to, right? I mean, the guy was arrested. It's not like it's not like, you know, 
the the stories that you hear sometimes about big time football programs where the guys are the players are doing awful things and the and the police are sweeping it under the rug because they're they're big time college football players. You know, this guy was arrested. So what do we want what do we want from Urban Meyer in this case? Like do we I mean I do I do feel like he I, I, I do feel like he owed Ohio State the the awareness of the situation. I, I think he owed them that. I think he should have gone to the director of athletics and say, look, putting it on your radar, Zach Smith uh, was arrested recently for for hitting his wife. I want to put this on your radar. You tell me what you want to do. You want to suspend him? I support that. You want to fire him? I support that too. And like I and like I said before, I do I do think he should have been fired in the moment. I do think you need to get rid of a person like that. You need to let them go and get fixed and get the help they need or go to jail, whatever they need to do. But I I do think he should have been fired in 2009. But I do think Urban Meyer made a, a huge mistake and he owed that to Ohio State. So sh- are we saying that so now in 2018, like, are we saying that? Urban Meyer now should lose his job for the mistake he made nine years ago? No, because this isn't a Joe Paterno um, covering up a defensive coach's uh, pedophilia for two decades. This is this is this is not that. But again, you know, I, I, I have a it's hard for me. It's hard for me to make the call in this case because I, I do work with children. Uh, so I have kind of anytime I see someone that commits a crime against them, I automatically, especially something like that. I do think that pedophilia is your sexual orientation and that is just what you are attracted to. I don't think you can fix it's documented. You are born with a certain sexual orientation and that's what you're into. And for 98% of the world, it's harmless and doesn't hurt, and there's not a victim every time. But, you know, when it's children, there is a victim every single time. And so that one's hard for me, and I do think Joe Paterno should have been fired for that and for knowing that and allowing that to go on and not sticking up for those kids for 20 years. But, you know, this, again, I don't know if he should lose his job because I do think he should have told Ohio State in 2009 that this was a situation he and he didn't do that says, or he was he yeah, says was that he, he there, did he was he there in 09 no he was at the university of florida in 09 okay and right. he so says I, okay so he that he owed he, university of florida that i i want to i want to make sure we have our facts straight here the aaron hernandez thing was 2009 this was 2015 zach smith well zach oh, okay. smith was arrested in in 2009 in florida oh he was oh so this was okay he came with Urban yeah. to Ohio State. Got so it. Okay. okay, so he owed he definitely owed Florida State that uh, that that awareness of the situation. I don't think he, unless Ohio State says, "Have you ever been convicted of a felony or a misdemeanor?" Then, if he answered truthfully on there, then maybe Ohio State knew. I don't know. I don't know what kind of background check they were on. This could Ohio State very well could have known what happened. Right, but he should have told Florida State at the time what had happened. Are we more upset that there's a that there's a domestic violent or a domestically violent? I don't know how to say that as an adjective. That there's a domestic abuser on the staff at Ohio State, or are we more upset that it was not 
disclosed before he was brought aboard. Well, see, that, that appears to be the media reaction, right? Is, is everyone's upset that when asked about it in 2015, our Urban Meyer at the Big Ten Media Day said he didn't know, you know what they were talking about. And then later on, he said something else and reported and said that he did, in fact, report everything properly. So that that appears to be what the uproar is, is that he lied in a press conference, which... Well, could both, both those things could be true, that he reported it properly and he lied in the press conference. Yes. Are we... Yeah, yes. Yeah. Those, those things are both true. He reported it properly to how, wherever he was supposed to report it, either to the Big Ten or to the school or both. And he lied about that to the media, saying he didn't actually know about it when he clearly did because he reported it. So what is Urban Meyer's crime in all of this? It's lying to the media, which everybody does. So I understand that you shouldn't employ a domestic abuser, right? Or it's... Well, uncomfortable, right? It, that's, that's the a, thing, right? Like maybe, maybe it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's an uncomfortable thing. But that brings me back to my first question here: like, why are we asking the football program at Ohio State University to do more than the just the criminal justice system? I think part of that is because the criminal justice system often woefully underserves victims of domestic abuse. Sure. So I think I think part of what you're seeing with this uproar is, you know, we're expecting non-justice department employees to act with a swifter moral code because the burden of proof to convict someone of a crime is higher than, you know, determining whether or not they did it. Yeah, and I, John, I think you bring up a good word when you say moral. I think uh, when you start to get into moral grounds, um, that's that's uh, that's not a good place to be. It's a it's a very it's a very turbulent place to be because people have different sets of morals in this world, and you really have to be careful with that because you have that ultimately brings in questions of like what you would do when you're when you're being moral about something the justice you tend to carry out would be different absolutely and and am i making sense when i say that absolutely and we don't why do we you know why would we want the ohio state university football program to be setting these morals for anybody right so i mean if we want to make a rule right if if the ncaa wants to make a rule says anybody with a domestic violence arrest cannot be a coach for any NCAA program. Fine, they can make that rule. You know, they're they're a probably you know the NCAA. I don't I don't know their business status, but they're you know the NCAA is a company that can do that. I don't want individual coaches and individual schools and and you know the Ohio State University can say, look, we refuse to employ anybody who has been arrested for domestic violence. The Ohio State University or any college is able to do that, but they haven't done that. And to put that on the head football coach seems to me to be a bad idea. I, I think they're answering right now to 
to society and social politics. Um, and I think this is very much a symptom of that, of saying, hey, look, and, and, and I, I'm again, I am not sticking up for domestic abuse in any level, shape or form, but I am sticking up for justice system and rehabilitation. And I am sticking up for people getting their fair chance and their fair shake at something and taking you can't you can't we can't constantly be playing this moral good guy versus this moral bad guy role because that's what got us into this mess in the first place that's what got us into this terrible situation that we're in as a society in, at large this is a very unique situation and if ohio state is going to fire urban meyer for this they better make some sort of condition in hiring anybody else that that is a fireable offense you cannot just do this for your head football coach because it leaked on espn and not do it for the physics teacher or not do it for the janitor or the admissions you know dean everybody needs to be held to that same standard Absolutely. And, 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 you know, down to and including the, the head football coach as well. Like it can't just be, you know, oh, well, this assistant coach who doesn't actually matter all that much. So who cares? We got rid of him. Uh, It has to be for everybody top down. Right. So I've, I've read this or I am reading this and I kind of want to get your, this is an audio medium. Uh, Right. Well, Well, I'm, I'm going to read it out loud gotcha can we source can we source and credit yes yeah, <laughs> yes of person. course this is this is from the columbus dispatch yeah. um, that's quite a reputable uh periodical it's no it's no it's I no agree. flin flon uh, uh observer reminder no <laughs> if i needed to be reminded still here <laughs> so uh, i i it appears as though that the arrest box on a form um, was mistakenly checked by the arresting officer of Zach Smith. Okay. I'm a little... I am a little confused as to... I'll I'll, I'll read on a little further here. Uh, The record had a box to note whether the defendant had been arrested. It was unchecked the record also listed offenses of domestic violence and felony assault as reasons for the report. But a report written the day after the incident and released to ESPN journalist Brett McMurphy by a relative of the uh, victim had mistakenly indicated an arrest. Huh. So what? Where? Where? This happened in Florida, I would assume. No, correct? this was this was in Ohio. This so, is 2015. Okay, this, this is the Powell 2015 one. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So this guy is a a multiple so, time domestic he's abuser, a serial abuser. Well, a multiple. I don't know. I don't know about serial. We have two instances, 09 and 15. So the 2015 report had listed misdemeanor offenses of disorderly conduct and aggravated menacing rather than the felonies who said that was or, um, so it the checkbox was erroneous at least when it came to the felonies now I'm reading this in the context of 
the hundred or so Ohio State fans who gathered outside Ohio Stadium on Monday for a rally in support of Urban. In support of Urban Meyer. I love, by the way, that we're talking about Columbus, Ohio and the Ohio State University, which, I mean, the football stadium holds over 100,000 people. And they got Correct. 100 people to show up for this rally. This was outside the stadium. This was I understand, outside. but yes. they got 100 people. That is the saddest sounding rally I've ever heard of. So we have, <laughs> we have a quote from Lori Thompson um, who said, he's not being treated fairly. He's a good guy who brought our team a lot of wins. Uh, thanks, Lori. As if... The the false the false association between winning and moral um, oh what's the damn word for it fortitude sure sure morality yeah I, I win a lot therefore I'm a decent human <laughs> it's like when everyone was so surprised about uh, Tiger Woods he wins a lot what do you mean he's a complete creep <laughs> right yeah. It's like you know, both these things can be true. You can you can be really good at something and also be terrible at living, or at so, least being nice. I want to ask Daniel a legal question here. Go for it. So, because the felony charges on the police report he was not arrested for because the box was unchecked. What does that mean now? It, as he's being processed through all this, as he's going through the court shenanigans, what what comes of this? Now, is he not? Is this not on the court's radar at all to to prosecute him as a felony as, as felony charges? No, that's not that's not how that works. He may not have been arrested at the time that police report was created. The way in which a felony is charged, generally speaking, I'm not 100% sure on the procedures in, in Ohio, but the way in which felonies are handled is a person, uh, the district attorney's office will file with the court what's called like a felony complaint or a felony information, listing out the charges and the supporting facts, uh, you know, as drafted by a person with knowledge of those facts. So they use the police report, whether or not he was actually arrested the day that report was created, they use the police report, they submit it to the court along with, you know, the proper forms. And that brings him in for, you know, an initial appearance. And then after that, he, they take his case in front of a grand jury and the grand jury can indict him. My assumption is I, yeah, I don't know anything about these criminal charges and whether he has a felony presently pending. But the way whether or not a box was checked on a police form is generally not going to change whether or not he's actually charged with a felony. Right. So this is a non-story. This is really just a story to confuse people. Well, so. And it worked. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Got that, John that, I read that, I re No, no. What I'm saying is I read that story and I was like, I don't get this. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's because that's exactly why I bring that up to Daniel, because I, I, I do feel as though there's going to be a lot of people that read that article and are going to say, oh, well, you know, he was th through a loophole. He's going to get away with a felony. And it's like, uh, hold on. The only Let's, the only relax. loophole that's going to help him get away with a felony is being associated with the Ohio State University football team. Right. Like that's that's yeah. the only reason he might not be charged with a felony. It works at Baylor. 
<laughs> you know, and this brings this this brings me to a, a point that I, I continue to hammer on this show and in real life, which is the the real people who are awful in this situation are are the fans who are willing to overlook domestic violence. And there's a certain type of fan. They generally vote, you know, a little more alt-right than the rest of us. What? Um, <laughs> what? And, and, and they'll support, you know, they support things like winning. And they support things like their authoritarian strongman football coaches. And they'll... And they're willing to not just overlook, but almost actively condone and try to justify things like domestic violence, things like racial oppression. And this is like true at college campuses across the country. Things like, you know, college rape or let's just call it what it is. Rape, rape. Um, It's just regular rape. It doesn't matter where it happens or how old you were when you did it. Right, but I, I'm referring to it specifically in right. the context of, of right. college like my, athletes. Or, or back in the 90s when they called it date rape. It's like, oh, we were right. on a date and he, and he forced himself on me. No, no, it's still rape. It's, the, it, it, it's these people, like the people who support that Brock Turner guy, you know, the ones who come out in favor, that, that guy who was on the Stanford swim team. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Like the people who are just like it, he don't got a ruin slap this. on the wrist for uh, right, like multiple rape offenses. Right, it's those people, the people who the people who will constantly come to the aid and abetting of people who t- do terrible things, or the idea that terrible things are okay so long as my team scores more points than the other team. Like those are the people that really that I really have to hammer in this situation and everybody else kind of exists in some sort of murky gray area. But I think it's also interesting to think about like in the art realm where years ago we used to have a saying, we say you need to separate the art Mm -hmm. from the artist. Right. And that was almost a way of saying like, I know they're weird in their personal life, but uh, I, that was a damn good movie. Right. Or yeah, Roman Jackson. Polanski. Right, Jackson Pollock beat the. Gross. Sh- oh, I'm sorry. I mean, I did that out. I get so frustrated with the Jackson Pollock one because he was such a belligerent drunk and he beat his wife. Yet we celebrate him for his splatter painting. Right. Um, well, I didn't. To be honest, I, I didn't know he beat his wife. A lot of people now, don't know about his because again, it's one of those things where. W- w- I mean, the sports, the reason we see their personal life is because it's such a social concept now. Sports is not what it was in the 1960s when you walked out there, you hit some baseballs, you went home, and you lived your life. Now your personal life is just as much a part of your professional life in sports, your role model. Well, that's that's really true across the board because now anybody can get a glimpse into your personal life via the Internet. Right. And via gossip and police reports and public records, and, right. pri- so, and private records that you that become public. Right, we are all investigative reporters now. Should we choose to be? Right, and I and again, I, I it goes back. You know, before when I was saying, he yes, he should. You do have to dismiss a person in that situation from their job. 
for for many reasons. I don't even I don't care if he's a cook at McDonald's or or whatever. He's still a part of a team, and you have to hold. Here's the thing, though, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm trying to get because you asked the question, and I wanted to find out the answer. I'm trying to figure out what exactly Zach Smith is charged with, right? So we have the incident right. in 2009 when he was arrested when he was an intern on Urban Meyer's staff of Florida. He was charged with felony assault uh, for allegedly roughing up his pregnant wife. It appears nothing came of that. I don't I don't see I don't see a conviction anywhere. He stayed they stayed married. Uh, 2015. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she call uh, his wife calls 911 several times. Uh, finally uh, does file for divorce and they are divorced later in 2016. In 2018, Zach Smith is charged with criminal trespassing, which almost everywhere is barely a misdemeanor. He also uh, gets a domestic domestic civil order filed against him, a restraining order filed against him uh, by his wife, and he is charged with uh, the misdemeanor charge of criminal trespassing. And that is July 23 of 2018 that he was charged with a misdemeanor criminal trespass. So he is currently pending trial for a nonviolent misdemeanor. And you want him to, and you want not only Zach Smith, but his boss to lose their jobs over that? Because, because, like we said before, we're now getting into a moral, we're getting into a morality issue. Okay. Right. So, and I and I do I think this is where the legal system fails, is that if he put his hands on his wife, and and strangled her and caused bodily harm to her, he you don't get you don't oh. get a pass on that you don't get a lower charge. Okay, but okay, who's proving that? And I know, and now this is where we are. So now we have the text messages where he's like, I'm sorry I strangled you. Um, so we do have that. But at the same time, because either police did a, didn't do an appropriate job in their, uh, in their investigation into the system, or maybe he had a really good lawyer and the lawyer was like, hey, look, let's, let's really, you know, let, let's look at the facts here. Uh, we don't have any proof that he hit her or whatever. And, it makes it very difficult because now let's say this guy is an abusive person. He gets off with a trespassing misdemeanor, uh, probably has to pay some fines, probably gets a little probation, maybe not, maybe an ACD, something like that. And now he's right back out there and no, with no warning signs of who he, of who he could potentially be. But then I don't, but I wasn't there that night when it happened. So it becomes a he said, she said thing. And in this case, it sounds to me like the wife's side is being silenced for some reason. And that's the part that annoys me in these situations is that she's saying that he choked her, yet there's no charges to prove that he did that. So like that charge is a warning to the next person up that says, hey, just putting this right. on your radar – this guy right. choked and, people and, before. But that's, that's the thing. And that's a failure of the criminal justice system. And that's a failure of, yes. you know, the police and, and the government agencies involved. It's not a failure of Urban Meyer, the head football coach at Ohio State University. Right. Yes. So Absolutely. 
like I, 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 I agree with you in the abstract that yes, people who beat their wives should be punished, but we need to be. We're we're not a society where we get to just say, okay, well, this surfaced through investigative reporting, therefore it must be absolutely true, and your your job is gone. And not only is your job gone, but your boss's job is gone because he didn't he lied about knowing about it. This thing that we haven't proven is true. So, right, this thing that the, you haven't been convicted of, or, or even you're not even being tried for. Right, not even being tried for. Idea. Not only not only not not been convicted of, not going to be convicted of, not even being tried for. So does this now get to a point where the three of us collectively are looking at this? We are essentially looking at other people looking at a Rorschach test. <laughs> well, you're looking, you're looking, you're, you're now, you're playing, you're playing a moral vigilante right now. Right. That's what everybody's playing. So I'm looking at it as if his wife said it happened and not only that, but he's, it seems like he has a history of this. It, it really could have happened. I don't know. I don't know why he wasn't charged for it. Maybe she didn't go to the police in the right amount of time. Maybe there was no marks by the time he sh- she showed up to the police. Maybe she said, no, you don't have to take any pictures. Just take my word for it. I don't know. I don't know what that conversation looked like. So now I'm forced to play the moral vigilante and say, sounds to me like you beat your wife. Yes, you should have lost your job when that happened. And, and they need to, and you need to go get your life right. You cannot get your life right and work, uh, a job as a football coach at one of the biggest universities in the country, not because I'm afraid of the publicity you're going to bring me there. How are you going to make yourself better? If you work 20 hours a day? Sure. When are you going to therapy? When are you serving, you know, your community, sir? When are you doing the things that you need to do to not only make a penance for what you've done, but also to make yourself a better person and rehabilitate yourself. You can't do that at the same time. I want to talk about that for a second because what, you, what you've what you just described is restorative justice. And I don't feel as though the public at large – and what I mean by the public at large is, is not necessarily us three. I don't feel like the re- public at large cares about restorative justice. I'm, I'm not saying they shouldn't. I'm, I believe they should. But I feel as though we've gotten to a point that – when we hear things like this about people and the people who you know support them or employ them, that we, we're really more into the punitive aspects of the justice system rather than actually like we're more we, we're much happier and delighted and maybe delighted is not the right word, but we're much more inclined to take an axe to these people and cancel them altogether rather than point them toward areas where they would be rehabilitated and become better people. Right. And there, and and there are prisons out there that do this very thing that we're talking about where they will, they talk to the inmates and they have therapy for the inmates and they have ways for them to get their lives, coping strategies, things that they never got when they were younger. Now, I don't know your, what the background is of everybody in the criminal justice system, but one thing that I do know is that if you're never given tools to cope with your social emotional states, you are going you are not going to be successful in a society. So we we do we love the concept. I mean, we love the concept of time out. 
right? When a child's in timeout, nobody talks to them. Go over there, sit in the corner, don't say anything to anybody. How, how is that child learning how to cope with anything? When you send a criminal into jail and now he's surrounded by other criminals, in some cases, smarter criminals, better criminals, guess what's going to happen when he leaves that prison? Right. You are, you are a product of your environment and the prison environment is toxic to the point. And, and not only that, but he's now he has a record, mm-hmm. right? So now who's going to hire him? We're, we're do, we're, we do it right now. We say, like, how dare you do that? You're, 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 I'm not giving you a job here. You have a record. As much as he could say, look, I'm changed. I've, I've, I've made steps to make my life better. Let me show you what I've done. And it's one of those things where it, it's, it's so it, – even for me as somebody who has a job where I hire people, I, I think about it sometimes, and I do believe that people deserve second chances. Um, and, and again, you know, within, within reason to, to, to my profession. The only two people that I know of who have been to prison and come back and have rehabilitated their image are Martha Stewart and Michael Vick. Martha Stewart doesn't even count. That was, uh, was, uh, was it insider, was insider trading. T- insider trading. Sure. It's not, it's not even it's not even a real crime. I mean, she went to the federal prison for she it. She did, but that that is the kind of crime where like a bunch of people that were like really wealthy and they were sick of getting schemed on with like trading and they're like, "Oh, we should we should make that a crime." How dare you I, acknowledge I, I really wish stocks. more people I really wish more people knew that all insider all trading is insider trading. Yes, absolutely. It's all it's it's a publicly traded company. Most of it's public knowledge. It's out there already. You're not I think you're not the issue fooling with anybody. Insider trading is that the information is being acted upon before it becomes public. So Correct. That's right. that's why it's problematic. Right. What I'm saying is all all trading is insider trading when it's done at the very top. Sure, as it would have to. I mean, if you own the company and you're like, oh, you know what? You know, we we got to release this information about we about dump this before people get our Q2 earnings. Right, and it's and you're and you're like, okay, well, well let me let me, I, my stocks are worth are worth this much. Let me get let me get rid of them now before we plummet. And it's like in my head, it's like that would that would trigger me. I was like, oh, Martha Stewart today sold uh, half of her shares of her company. Me, as an owner, I'd be like, Ooh, I better sell my shares now, too, because <laughs> sounds to me like there's something bad on the other end of this. Everything okay? Martha, you there? You up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you up? <laughs> no, I'm down. 42 points. That's the problem. <laughs> so I think I think we take a break here. All right. Uh, we recollect ourselves. And we come back with something else. I, sadly, I don't feel like we resolved this issue, but this isn't isn't really an issue that gets resolved. It, you, no, you can't. You can't resolve morality. That's why we've un- unfortunately we have politics <laughs> to try to uh, to tr- to try to uh, you know uh, make up for the the moral issues in society. But that's but. that's my issue. That's my issue, right? I I, wor- I, I don't a whole lot of good. That's why are we asking? <laughs> I keep asking the same damn question. Why are we asking football coaches or or sports figures to make these moral decisions when we have 
agencies and structures in place that are supposed to be doing this. That's my problem. I don't want them to do that. Because they're not doing it. They're not doing the, the, enough. Yeah. Occam, Occam's razor says it's because those in agencies aren't doing a good enough job. Right. Sure. Absolutely. 4402. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. I have so water. So fucking special. Yeah, I drank, <laughs> I drank two 12-ounce <laughs> glasses of water. 24. Two waters. I want you to know just how hard I worked at getting those 24 ounces of water. Filled a 12 ounce cup twice. You drink cans of water? Oh, okay. Oh, which, which cut was, is it lacrosse? Top brand. Is our second? Is our second? Is our second topic sparkling water? No. Okay. That'll probably be the last one because we're at forty-five. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to spend the next any amount of time talking about the NASCAR CEO. I. I don't want to spend yeah. any time. Um. I actually, I think the Aaron Donald story I, I might be pretty interesting because his holdout has actually made it to a point where he loses a year of eligibility to get to uh, unrestricted free agency. That's that's how much he cares about getting a new contract. All, Those guys don't make it this far. All that's going to happen, though, is he's just going to wind up holding out. They're going to they're going to negotiate some terms. and They're going to wipe. You know, they're going to. They're going to forgive his his fines and, and everyone's going to be I mean, fine. But yeah, but I mean, he's losing a year of eligibility. So he's going to be, when he should be an unrestricted free agent, he's going to be a restricted free agent. That's a, that's, that's a, real, that's a real thing yeah. that he's cost himself. Yeah. NFL yes. contracts are funky. The more I, the more I read up about it, they're, they're funny to me. Because it's like, I'm the highest paid receiver, then like three weeks later... Someone then, else is the highest paid receiver, and then previous receiver is like, oh, well, I, I deserve to be the highest paid And then neither of them actually get receiver. the money. And it's like, <laughs> right, yeah, none of your money's guaranteed, and uh, football contracts are just weird, yes. weird contracts. I would just rather you say, look, your base salary is, you're going to get your base salary, and it's a good amount of base salary, Right. No, I, I'm done with the performance-based incentives. Those, those should be extra, and they shouldn't be as as uh, valuable. You go to the Pro Bowl, we'll give you a million dollars if you go to the Pro Bowl. No, you give him a hundred grand if he goes to the Pro Bowl. He's he needs to make his money. Like it should not be judged by someone's voting of him <laughs> to whether or not he gets his million dollars. You're listening to Shane's Life is a Fantasy Draft, powered by. Shane's Life is a Fantasy Draft is filmed before a live studio audience. <laughs> Alright, we're back. Carmelo Anthony's a rocket. This guy. 
more of a firework than a rocket. He's a sparkler, if we're we're being honest with ourselves. Yes. He is is a snake. Mike Mike D'Antoni quit the Knicks, gave up $12 million because he hates Carmelo Anthony. And that was back when he was good. (laughs) It was back when Carmelo Anthony was good. And that Knicks team was like on its way to the playoffs for the first time in three decades. But they just couldn't get there. <laughs> no, they, they they made the playoffs that year for the first time they in, did. in I believe, almost a decade. Um, oh, that's right. In three decades, they hadn't made the that's playoffs. Right. But so, so now Mike D'Antoni is stuck with Carmelo Anthony again. A, an objectively worse Carmelo Anthony who has very recently said he's not going to come off the bench and he's not going to be the third option when he was behind Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Now he's... Well, he's actually... He's lucky in, in Houston because he doesn't have to come off the bench right <laughs> That's now. That's true. He lost everybody in free agency. I mean, this team got so much worse. Which is sad because they were they were minutes away. They, they were min- they were a Trevor Ariza average game away from beating the Golden State Warriors. If all Trevor Ariza had to do was not miss sixteen three. Yeah. And yeah. Um so he's not he's a liability on defense. <laughs> to, to put it diplomatically. He's he's a Washed up shot creator, to put it diplomatically. Yeah, and I, you're not being very diplomatic at very all, diplomatic. actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're gonna if you're gonna uh, if you're gonna say that about his offense, you should say on defense he's a ghost. <laughs> so, what what do you suppose this does for? Like, why do you make this move if you're the Houston Rockets? I because he. Other than the banana boat, <laughs> right? Well, I think I think that's that's a huge part of it because even though he had just signed an extension, people were talking about Chris Paul leaving the Rockets, and they need him. You know, you lose Chris Paul, and the Rockets go from being minutes away from from being Western Conference champions to just being another five or six seed in the West. So. Right. You need to keep Chris Paul happy. And if Chris Paul walks into, you know, uh, Daryl Morey's office and says, hey, Carmelo Anthony is going to be made available on a minimum deal. Go pick him up. Then you do it, right? I mean, I guess. I... Are you just doing it because it's the only option? Like, did he say, I'm not coming back unless you give me mellow? It's what it sounds like. And it's the only way that the deal makes sense, right? Because Daryl Morey is huge into analytics. And Mike D'Antoni was was doing analytics before we knew what that was. Right. And Mike D'Antoni hates Carmelo Anthony. So what are we what what other reason is there that the team is doing this? I think he's doing it I, I think it's uh, this is obviously going to be outside of the analytic war- realm here. I think they're doing it because he has to still have good basketball left in him. He has Does to. Does he? He's a little bit older. He has to have good basketball left in him. How old is he, 31? 34. Yeah. 34? 
I, I'll tell you this. I don't have any basketball left in me. <laughs> well, you never really had any in you. The only time you had uh, a, a little basketball in you is when you ate the, uh, the ball from your Hot Shots uh, basketball game. So this is like... If anybody remembers that. This is not to say, like, like from all from all we can gather, Carmelo Anthony, decent locker room pl- presence. Yeah, really good seems dude. Like a, seems like a really good guy. But, like, do you sign someone at that price for being a really good guy? Well, I mean, the, pri- the, the price in terms of dollars is nothing. He's, he's uh, I think it's $2.5 million. It's, it's basically a minimum contract. So he's on, he's on a oh, well, minimum. Then this is just a, this is a low risk with a lot of upside. But didn't he just get paid? Yeah. A yes, he, he took. Money? It's, he's, yeah. <laughs> so it's like he was. He took yeah, what twenty seven, twenty nine million, something like that. Twenty seven. Uh, I believe. Right. The Atlanta, the, yeah, Hawks, the Atlanta right, Hawks. So he's, agreed. he's yeah, the Atlanta Hawks. He's going to make thirty million dollars. Yeah, he's going to make thir- right. Right, so he's going to make thirty million dollars. Could you imagine being paid twenty-seven million dollars not to go to work? Oh God! Matter of fact, to work for one of your competitors. Oh, just saying. And the other team, and a different competitor is going to pay for your (laughs) your salary. Why does I got fired by Apple to go work at IBM and Dell paid my salary? That's That's actually how I got this job. It, the the move doesn't make any sense, and I, I, people, I, I know that you you can't go and give like Mike D'Antoni credit for for why the Rockets are as good as they are when it's when it's quite obviously Harden and 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 Paul, but if you bring Carmelo Anthony into this and the team stops doing Mike D'Antoni's offense the way that the Knicks did when Carmelo Anthony was brought in, you know, like that puts a huge damper on the flow of the team and, and ruins the thing that they did the best, which was offense. So I don't, I don't, right. I don't see any way this makes the Rockets any better. Well, especially if he's not going to come off the bench. Now that I know that Carmelo Anthony is 34, I'm sorry. If you're 34, you need to be coming off the bench. <laughs> you you so, can't, you can't be playing with with Harden and think you can. You know, you can't. You can't be a little Shih Tzu playing with Pitbulls one, out there. Now, one thing I will say is it's not like the Rockets had a lot of ball movement last year. This was a lot of this was a lot of ISO basketball, particularly when you're dealing with. Chris Paul yes. and James Harden. It's right, so which Carmelo Anthony does neither. Right, like uh, Carmelo Anthony will will isolate all all day long, but he won't run the pick and roll. He'll, right. He won't run the pick and roll as a ball handler or as as a as a roller. So, and and he won't run the pick and roll as the guy standing in the corner waiting for the open three. Like he won't do any of those things. So. You're going to have to play a completely different brand of offense to get Carmelo Anthony touches. Yeah. 
since when has he ever been the sort of Ray Allen spot up guy on the perimeter? Only only on the Olympic team when he actually realized he was the sixth best guy on the team. And and he was, but he was always the first best guy on those teams. He was yeah. Great I don't. At that. I'll never understand how he doesn't realize that that's his best possible role. If Carmelo Anthony played as Olympic Carmelo Anthony on the Rockets, that team wins an NBA championship. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, he hit, like, 16 threes in a game against Nigeria. I get it. But, like, he's not he's not, he's not going to do that because he doesn't think – he doesn't play that brand of offense for whatever reason. Right. Speaking of ISO, the Harden crossover. Oh, where he year, killed a guy? Nasty crossover. <laughs> uh, I love watching that. He, he tr- takes so many steps. Of course. <laughs> after that crossover, he takes, I count, he takes seven steps. They're little tiny baby steps. And the ref is watching them the whole time. But I think the ref is so mesmerized. By what just happened. By the way, all you have to do is Google Harden crossover. I did. It's amazing. Oh, it. And it, Wait, I just call it, I don't even call it the crossover. I call it the over. Because <laughs> that was oh over. Lord. That's just that's unkind. Look, being crossed over is the most embarrassing yeah. thing that can happen to I would rather player. be dunked on than crossed over. Oh, you could you could give me that you could dunk the net you could jump over my head and your and your balls can hit my Shoot. forehead and I will feel less embarrassed than if you cross me Shout over. Shout out to court. Frederick Vice. Yeah, I was about to say, I was about to say Vince yes. Vince Carter <laughs> did ruin a person's life by doing that. Yes. But I would I would take that over being crossed over in open court. I mean, there's nothing more embarrassing than a grown man falling, being duped from the ball going from one hand to the other. That was, ironically, the only basketball move I had. <laughs> that was well before I was 34. <laughs> I mean, crossover, they teach you that in, like, the third day of basketball camp. Like, oh, you're right-handed? Okay, I'm going to teach you how to dribble with your left right. hand for a little bit. Oh, God. So the Rockets are, I think we can all agree. The they're Rockets, worse. They're worse. I don't think. Still the second yes, best team in the West. I don't think they're markedly Still worse. Still the second best team. They're probably like three or four. I mean, they're not going to win no. as many games they did I last think, year. I think Vegas but had them the, uh, three games worse after the Carmelo Anthony deal. That sounds about right. I'd say they're two notches down from where they were last year. Which sucks because the Golden State Warriors only got better. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, Golden State this year is good. If Golden State really wanted to, they could win every game. I really, like, really I really hope year, DeMarcus Cousins is, you know, the DeMarcus Cousins that we remember. Awesome. Oh, God, me too. Well, he's not, he won't be back until January. I got yeah, I, even I don't. I, don't uh, I think he's. Yeah. I think he's gonna be starting March? the season. There's... No, there's no way. Off an Achilles. I'm on it. I. There's he had no microfract. way. He's he's, he's he not coming. Um, hold on, I'm on it. 
I'm going to say he's coming back January. No way he's going to be ready for October. That happened midway through the season. He's only 20. He's Dare only 27. His baby. Baby. Man, that's I, 27. Things I feel were like all he's right. been in the league for 15 years. <laughs> he has been. That's, the, that's what you're forgetting. <laughs> he went to college at a very young age. Doogie Hauser. <laughs> Speaking of which, Zion, shout out, going to Duke. I am so excited for Zion to Same. be in the NBA. I cannot. I, I've never been so hype for someone out of out of high school. Not, not even for LeBron. I didn't even care as much as I do for Zion. Zion's gonna. He's gonna posterize okay. the entire NBA. Zion, Zion, and Zion. Those are the best basketball players I know. Because they spit hot fire. Um, yeah, he's uh, they do. He's going to miss a big chunk of the season, is, is what the current most recent news is. Yes. There is no way he's coming back. I mean, yeah, I would say chance. he might be pushed out to March. But January, for sure. Uh, speaking of injuries, uh, stop me if you've heard this one before. Uh, Philly's first round pick uh, fractured his left foot. Are they still tanking? And he's gonna miss a significant. He's gonna miss a significant amount of his rookie season, just in case you know you haven't heard that from Markel Fultz, Joel Embiid, or Ben Simmons before. Are the are the Sixers going to go back to tanking? I've never heard. Like, that. are they scared? Are, are they shook? Are they it's, scared it's, of Boston now? That... No, I'm they're sure shook. they're fine. I mean, they they're still bringing back the whole crew that you know won 50 games last year. Did Markel Fultz not play that no. much last year? He played like 10 games. No, he missed a lot of the oh. season. And Joel Embiid the year before didn't play that much. Yeah, Joel Embiid the year before played 25 games, and the year before that he didn't play at all. Uh, ben Simmons missed all of last year. No, not last year. Last not, year he was I'm the sorry, rookie not last of the year. year. The Which, year before. Two years ago. Yeah. Two years so ago. So every, yeah, every Sixers rookie has missed. He, he, yeah, he, he wasn't a rookie when he Correct. won Rookie of the Year. Well, Blake but, Griffin you know. did that, too. He missed his rookie year. Well, that's red yeah, shirt. Yeah, he had a red shirt year. Man, let's get out of here. All right. All right. Are we taking uh, so Are we taking follow a break us before we do yeah, socials? Yeah, let's take let's take a quick break and then we'll uh we'll throw out some socials. We'll come out for the encore. Wrestling, sports, movies and more. The Geeks Unlimited squad is always mic'd up and speaking on the world of nerd. Geeks Unlimited keeps your ears lit with the announcers table, professional wrestling's hottest podcast that you haven't listened to, hosted by B-Rye and our very own Canadian screw-up Daniel Gavert. Hey, that's me. The homie Steve is talking flicks with the aptly titled podcast, Talking Flicks. And, of course, this impressive pod, Shane's Life is a Fantasy Draft. Check them out on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. Subscribe and share, listen, and learn. Don't forget to slide into those DMs on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Geeks Unlimited, taking over the world, one podcast at a time. All right, we're back. Um, it's been a nice, fun discussion on... Uh, Urban Meyer and Carmelo Anthony. Um, do make sure you check us out on Instagram at Shane's Pod. Shane's Pod. That's um, where you find us. 
Um, shout out to Geeks Unlimited, as always, uh, for distributing us. Uh, apparently, we're now the last podcast on Geeks Unlimited, which makes us sure. sole survivors. The, the last, the last geek standing. You know. Yep. We made it through the geek the last, apocalypse. The last stand. of the Mogeekans. <laughs> um, Daniel, where can they find you? I now post exclusively through Shane's Pod. I haven't tweeted in months. Uh, just follow us on Instagram at Shane's Pod. Um, you can follow me on the dot co, johngorman.co. Um, I don't know what I've written recently. It hasn't been much, but uh, it's been good. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram at Hey Gorman. Hey Gorman. And uh, good Gregor, Gorman. where can the good people find you? Oh, I, I'm pooping. <laughs> On the toilet. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember if that joke made the show the last time we did it. But anyway. Um. <laughs> <laughs> On that crappy note. Oh, God. That joke really tanked. <laughs> it's been fun. Um, oh, I'm all flush. I can't. I can't. That's it. We're calling it off. Thanks very much, you guys. That was the only funny part of Austin Towers. Um, Yeah, no, that's it. We're calling it a night. Good night, everybody. Uh, Shouts out, of course, to uh, our our friends in Jacksonville, Florida, and Flin Flon, Manitoba. We'll catch up with y'all. Next week is Pride Week in Flin Flon, so make sure you, you make it out there. All of the support. Thanks, thanks for all the support. Till next time, you show that turd who's boss. Oh, God. John Gorman's going to play us out. What does that mean to play us out? It means that we can't afford any <laughs> other music than the free music that you give us. I kind of want to put like an insane clown posse song at the end and see if anybody does anything about the about the copyright. I on want that to watermark one. my own music. <laughs> John Gorman, joyandbeast.com. It's lit. <laughs> John Gorman dot bandcamp dot com. I haven't stopped recording. <laughs>
bags spilling Lord willing I'ma put this car in park and rest easy like a house guest Your sex is excess, your game is recess On a summer playground or in a sundress I guess if happiness is caffeinated I'm espresso on a metro I confess this intermezzo isn't just to call you special You're the super to my Nintendo, it's impressive I can't express it Words that fail me like a lit class But all this wit lasts is just another pass At clinking glasses from my past and my present And your presence soothes me en masse Like a warm air mask to thaw the spring And bring life to the almost dead And the light to find my way again And I know as long as you keep shining I'll be blinded, I'll keep grinding I'm reminded how aligned we are combined This is the life we dreamed of living This is the sin I keep forgiving this is my love for you, we're making it every day Sun on the rise like Sunday morning Kiss on the lips without a warning Baby, you said my spirit's soaring up and away This is the life we dreamed of living This is the sin I keep forgiving This is my love for you Olympic event. This is a stop drop. <laughs> Open up shop. Wait, was that something we said before? That was something you struggled to say on the podcast. Yeah, you tried yeah. saying it. You tried the, the X, the DMX games. What did we say? We said it was going to be something else. Then you're like, it's going to be a triathlon. Or, yeah, triathlon or something like that. That's what we need to put on. That's what you need to put on, on Instagram. You need to take a video and then put a little text bar on it that says the DMX Games Triathlon, and then in, and then the video is him going stop, drop, <laughs> shut him down, open up shop. Oh, yeah, you have to shut him down. Well, shut up, shut it, okay. shutting him down and opening up shop is the third it's like event. The bi- it's like the biathlon. Wait, the third event of the triathlon is the biathlon? Well, you have to stop, <laughs> drop. Those are your first two. <laughs> yeah, because when you, when you shut him down, it's like the skiing. It's like nope. Open up shop. It's the shooting. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> 